the search for identity, that which uh, suits best to this uh, real self that you're discovering. If you know yourself well enough, then you discover what you are best suited for, and then that is what makes you happiest, too. Self-actualization uh, means the making real of the inner self, and that means what you love, what you're interested in, what excites you, what fascinates you, and that is the cause outside yourself, which paradoxically then becomes a defining characteristic of the self. Welcome to the Maslow Peep Podcast presented by Spring State Media Group. I'm your host, Brett Griffin, and our guest today is Mike Benton, sportscaster for the Everett Silvertips of the Western Hockey League, hailing from Everett, Washington, which coincidentally is the birthplace of my lovely wife, Amanda Griffin. Mike and I have known each other for 16 years when we both moved on to the seventh floor of the Huntington Hall dorm at Vanguard University. Unlike a lot of college freshmen, Mike knew exactly what he wanted to be from day one, a sportscaster. And unlike a lot of college seniors, Mike immediately found success in his chosen career and is living his childhood dreams. Or as we like to say, he's at the Maslow Peak. Mike is also the author of a remarkably insightful blog about his experiences, BentonHockey.com, and he can be found on Twitter at Benton underscore Mike. Welcome, Mike. Thanks for appearing on the show. Always a pleasure, B-Money. Can I still call you that even about roughly uh, 16 years after the seventh floor. You know, uh, people haven't called me that in quite some time. Uh, <laughs> that was kind of a early, mid-2000s thing. Um, I don't know if that's uh, real modern, but uh, not a problem. Whatever, whatever you want to do. You, you told me to call you Bince right or Hey Kid. Um, we'll probably just go with Mike. Anything is fine. All right. We've been friends a long time, and my earliest memory of you is being shocked at not only the audacity of your dream, but also the absolute confidence you had that you would achieve your goal. I also remember thinking you were crazy driving up to Dodger Stadium or Staples Center from Costa Mesa every day in prime traffic hours. You're one of the few people I know who successfully became exactly what they wanted to be when they grew up, and that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast. Let's tell our listeners about your journey. Can you talk a little bit about the path you've been on from being a kid with a dream to those grueling internships to your multi-sport journey across the country? Well, I think it all goes back first off to uh, what a famous uh, broadcaster in the Los Angeles area, Bob Miller, the voice of the Los Angeles Kings, once said. And he, he, he once mentioned he told his kids, pick a line of work that you're going to be crawling out of bed and not reacting quote, oh, I got to go to work again today. Find something that you're passionate about. Go ahead and pursue it. So since I couldn't play a good game, I figured I could talk a good game. And it goes all the way back to when I was in the fifth, sixth, seventh grade as well, sitting in front of my television with a handheld recorder that was, uh, well, rough the size now of I think some travel work bags but that's kind of what the whole reel-to-reel tape was like back in uh, 1991 92 and <laughs> I would have practiced my play-by-play uh, in front of a baseball game and eventually hockey as well so uh, being that I was already 11 to 12 years old I was way behind the curve as far as trying to make a, a playing dream out of being in the National Hockey League but uh, uh, getting a chance to watch Wayne Gretzky when he was a part of the Kings really stoked my fire and my passion to 
be a part of uh, the scene and a part of hockey. And so I thought, well, if I couldn't, you know, be a player and be at the game, uh, I'd love to do something where I can make an impact with people who enjoy it night to night. And that's being on the air and getting a chance to unfold the story. And that message is all about broadcasting. So, you know, I figured the earlier that I would pick it, identify it, and then, you know, really start making some serious plans about carving inroads as easiest as possible, the better off I was going to be. And, you know, fortunately, things uh, really fell right into place. Excellent, excellent. Now, you've obviously had this dream for a long time, as you mentioned. So what was it like being, you know, in high school and telling people what this goal was? I mean, like I mentioned earlier, that's a pretty audacious goal. Um, knowing that that's what you want to be, telling people about that and just kind of enduring their responses to that. Kind of what was that like? Well, it's funny because it it was actually the dream that I identified about really only, I would say, uh, several months before I got to Vanguard and met you as well. I wasn't even sure back in high school if I was going to be doing this for a living. I was actually... um, playing competitive golf back in high school and that was what i was originally pursuing i wanted to play professional golf uh there's a a lot to be said though as far as how much commitment you have to put forward um how much talent you have as well and really also some breaks and by the time that i got to my very first year of college uh, before Vanguard, I was attending a, a local community college uh, in Bundora and Citrus College, and uh, I tried out for the golf team. But it really, at that one point, golf felt like it became more of a grind and more of a job and not something that I thoroughly enjoyed. So I had a good sit-down with my uh, golf coach there, and I said, look, I- I'm not going to be fooling anybody here. I don't know if I have a chance to make it on this team I'm going to be fooling myself and trying to, you know, chase a carrot that's going to be in front of my nose, maybe forever. You know, maybe it's just time to kind of move on. And he fully supported me 100%. And I figured from that day, I knew I wanted to get into sports casting and go two feet in first as well, pursuing that line of work. So, you know, it certainly when, when, when you get into college, you know, you want to, enhance your abilities here to grow relationships, make friends, uh, you know, for the lack of a, of a better term. And I would say for college, the G-rated version of this is have a good time as well. Um, you know, I was certainly all for that, but I knew and I, I read and I heard that the earlier that you began to make inroads with your profession, the better off you're going to be versus, say, than waiting all the way until you're, you know, a senior. And while the internship is certainly likely, uh, you're going to be battling with a lot of competition to land that first job and really get ahead of the curve. So uh, I kind of figured out from there, the faster I could really get on track, the better. And you know what? And also, I would even go back to the one point, trying to uh, surround yourself with folks who also support you, not those who would also question you as well. And that certainly, I think, encouraged me to keep going in the right Definitely. It's all about having a good support network that believes in your dream and wants to see you succeed and wants to be there for the journey. Kind of digging into your craft. Um, I know you wear a lot of hats. You do social media, you do the broadcast. I know you do some kind of behind the scenes work with the interviews and everything. Tell me kind of what a basic day looks like for you. Well, I I originally got into this business 
to be a broadcaster, but uh, you, you really learn over time unless you can nail down uh, jobs in two, maybe even sometimes three or four different places. Uh, you, you've got to find a way to make ends meet and um, uh, really address that challenge with a dose of reality, being that if you want just one job as a broadcaster or only need one right now, then you have to find other areas uh, that really apply as far as your skill set to an organization's needs. So for me in getting into broadcasting, I understood uh, from the get-go and the advice I heard, you have to wear different hats. Uh, for about, I would say, a good 80 to 90% of the jobs right now in sports casting, uh, you're not just an on-air broadcaster, you're also an ambassador for the organization. And that could usually mean the area of selling advertising. Uh, being a good corporate sales ambassador and finding a way to link uh, the team to local businesses in a community cohesive uh, type of context. Uh, for me, I don't do so much of that here. I used to do that when I was in the ECHL, uh, kind of the double-A level of uh, the NHL. So now what I do is uh, my own team, the Everett Silver Tips, we're in the Western Hockey League. And the Western Hockey League is uh, a level of major junior, which is actually younger than minor pro, but it, it has the same kind of impact and the same kind of um, response uh, to a lot of uh, powerhouse NCAA Division I schools. And there's, not, there's no NCAA school up here in the Seattle area that's got hockey. So uh, the Everett Silvertips, the Seattle Thunderbirds, are kind of uh, the greater Seattle's area of those age for big-time sports because a lot of the players who come from this level will go right on to the AAA level of the NHL or right of the NHL directly. They completely yeah. skip over the ECHL. So in, in kind of rounding this all out, there's a, kind of like an NHL setup here uh, in our offices. We have a full-time dedicated staff as far as corporate advertising. They they uh, like to me, they, they, they like me to... Um, be more of a specialist in my role with uh, an asterisk, um, not just broadcasting, but also with media relations and focus more of my time and efforts there, and also uh, digital media. So I'm kind of almost like a producer uh, off the air when okay. I'm not broadcasting between, you know, roughly 7 o'clock to about 9.30. So it's what, what, once I'm off air during those hours, you know, you it in normal business hours, my role as an ambassador is in a different function and it's to, uh, you know, provide a presence for people online now these days who uh, have more of their time and efforts uh, geared toward what they're, they're looking at uh, when they're on a computer or they're on a smartphone device or uh, a, a tablet, what have you. So. Uh, I, I take a lot of what I've learned uh, from previous lines of work uh, in broadcasting uh, and in producing as well, but weave that in to tell them more of the story about the Everest Silver Tip, whether it might be through social media, uh, our mobile app, and what have you. And in addition, there is, of course, some terrestrial touch. Uh, I am see a lot of uh, our school appearances. We do about roughly uh, 20 assemblies or uh, appearances out in the in local community every year. So it's a good chance to connect in real time with people and uh, kind of help uh, spread the gospel, so to speak, about the organization uh, in that round. And it, it really is a worthwhile uh, job to have every time I go home at the end of the day. Uh, I, I really feel uh, taxed 
uh, the only time I do feel taxed is if we come off a, a five- or a six-day road trip, and uh, it, it's very, very worthwhile uh, in the long run. Interesting. So it sounds like your basic day kind of depends on what hat you're wearing that day. Exactly. And uh, a lot of the times when we're in a non-game day, it's what can we do to, to build us up on social media? Uh, we, we certainly work hard at trying to uh, define a voice and then uh, from there trying to work, work it down to what can we do to um, bring a greater level here to different stories about us, whether it might be a fan or a player or just how we're doing overall and uh, generate that through the local media and then bring, bring this sport to brand new faces, young faces as well, who haven't had a chance to see it uh, in, in local schools. Uh, around this area here yeah you got to get the hooks on those kids early to make them lifelong fans i know that's uh you know that's a big part of uh building building that up over the years that you got to get them young and get them invested and keep that through so are these players signed from all over the country or are is this the greater seattle's you know teenagers and young adults that are going into the system Quite a wide variety, actually, Brett. Uh, a lot of these players actually will uh, just hail just north of us uh, from the province of British Columbia. That's where uh, the Western Hockey League has uh, a lot of its talent pool resource right now. Additionally, uh, to, 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 to the east in Alberta as well, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and, and there are also pools as well in, in Washington, in Oregon, in California, in Arizona. Arizona because those are developing uh, hockey grounds out there. So we've mm-hmm. seen a little more of an influx of players uh, come from those states and come to play in uh, the Western Hockey League. So they, they really have two choices, more or less, and it's to come play in this league uh, or even go to uh, the NCAA ranks and go to college. And uh, there, there are two differences as far as what you're getting. Uh, whether it might be you're looking for more of the direct educational experience. But if there's one thing that uh, I really admire here about the structure of this level is that they offer you a full 72-game schedule comparable to what you get uh, in in the professional ranks. But in addition, once these players get in and play in the Western Hockey League, for every year that they play here, the WHL guarantees them matching one year tuition and books as well to whatever college that they want to go to so if the nhl is not in the cards it isn't a be-all end-all and there are plenty of players who decide you know what i mean this is kind of what i wanted to do uh all the way up until about roughly 20 years old i want to go in you know be an engineer get into the tech industry uh, become a doctor become a businessman so they will uh take those four or five years they've uh accrued in playing and turn that back over for basically a, a full-time scholarship or whatever college that they want to go to. So, um, for instance, for, for guys in BC, they'll, they'll go and attend one of the colleges up there. Uh, we have a player right now who hails from uh, the local area uh, nearby Lake Stevens, Washington. So say if, uh, if he decides down the road that the NHL isn't for him, he can easily take that, you know, four years and say, well, I want to go to university of Washington. That takes care of the job right there. So, uh, there's a, a tremendous sense of purpose uh, that really drives uh, the influx of talent pool around here and makes it a worthwhile place to work in. And it, it, it kind of has developed a culture of its own as, you know, the uh, top breeding ground of future NHL talent, really for those reasons. You have the education option, but 
You want to choose the NHL option as well. Uh, there's a lot of resources and, and a lot of NHL uh, attachments directly involved here with this league to help grow the game. And I imagine it's important for you guys to build an identity as a team in the community, given that, you know, the transient nature of your prospects versus them, you know, getting drafted or deciding to go to college instead or whatever it is, you guys, you guys really have to build the silver tips as the community entity, you know, the laundry, as it's been said, we're rooting for laundry. You know, if, if my favorite team's players all went to another team and my rival's favorite players all joined my team, I would still root for them. Certainly, I think you hit the nail uh, right right on the head from 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 one of those aspects. And I, I think uh, we 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 kind of evolved now these days to understanding that there's obviously the loyalty to the crest on the front, but there's obviously an affinity for the name on the back. I mean, pe- people like faces, people like individuals, and it's that opportunity to bring them to life that uh, certainly do a lot of favors as far as keeping. Uh, you know, a, a lot of people plugged in and engaged to what you're feeding them. And in turn, that can really, you know, help your own business, uh, you know, and platform evolve. Now, we mentioned juggling. Um, we're both fathers of small children. Your son, Lucas, is almost two, I think. Ooh. And uh, my daughters are three and a half and three months. Your job obviously takes you on the road days at a time, you know, being gone, being away. Can you talk about balancing being an attentive husband and father while also pursuing your passions and having a successful career? Well, if I may get off screen for just one quick moment here, there's a, certainly a reason why uh, I keep this uh, at my desk uh, each and every day. And this is a, an engagement photo that my wife and I took uh, about roughly, oh man, I, I would say about roughly five years ago at um, Cal State Stanislaus. Mm-hmm. Uh, where my, my wife, Amy, went to school. And then this is uh, Lucas right in here with the Easter Bunny when, you know, he was only about uh, a matter of uh, three and a half months old. So uh, there, there's, certainly, uh, there, there, there's certainly an element of life that uh, you're introduced to once you, number one, become a husband, but number two as well, become a father. Definitely. And, uh, you know, you, I... I I think as far as you're concerned, you know, you look at your daughter and you can look at Amanda and say, you know what, we made. Uh, that's what uh, Amy and I do a lot with uh, Lucas. And we're, we're proud to look him in the eye and think, you know what, we made him. And it, it gives us joy and it also gives us, uh, you know, an incredible sense of positive responsibility. So that's where my time and effort comes into play. And, you know, I think what's really most important in kind of getting to the meat of this question here is to, you know, fi- find a good professional support system that uh, you can keep in your circle to convince the job is going to get done, but they're also going to uh, have some leeway and have some return favor to let you be a father and attend to the important responsibilities of life whenever you can. Because, um, you know, I, I, left, uh, I, I left one job previously in my line of work because I wanted to uh, have my family be in a more ideal situation. Um, I latched on here with the Everett Silver Tips, and one of the first things in our uh, conversation before I took this job was to uh, make sure I keep my family support system close and give me opportunities to be regularly engaged uh, as a father. So my boss told me in my interview, what if I told you you would only be in a hotel uh, 21 nights out of the entire year? I said, well, <laughs> sign me up. Like I took a road trip 
I took a road trip roughly about three weeks ago. That was actually that long yeah. one. And my, did it wreck me. Um, you know what? You're going to have these once in a while, but uh, to, to, to work in this environment and to you know, have superiors who embrace the element and the culture of family, that's what's most important to me. I mean, my job is my passion. My job is not uh, what I am married mm-hmm. to and certainly not what I am attached to at the end of Definitely. the day. You know, it, it, is a, it is a job. It's what I want to do. But most importantly, family comes first for me. And, you know, it's the reason why I come back off the road. And the first thing I want to do is go home and hug my wife and hug my son as well because uh, they, they absolutely mean the world. Definitely, definitely. When you tell people you're a sportscaster, so you're out, dinner, you know, church, friends, whatever, and you tell them what it is that you do, what's the most common reaction? The most common reaction I've received is, well, I mean, first off, if I can kind of joke about myself, and, you know, I don't want to, I, I never pulled the, you know, don't you know who I am card, <laughs> but I've kind of heard more, more, more often than not, oh, wait, so you're the guy who's on the loudspeaker at the games and stuff? No. <laughs> No, 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 no. Uh, that, 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 that's actually the public address announcer for those who haven't uh, been to a sporting event in a while or have never have been as well. So, uh, you know, once I tell people, no, I'm the guy that's heard on the radio each and every time, and they go, oh, okay, okay. So, you know, you, you do this for a long, long time. Do you just uh, go in and call the game? And that's it. And actually, leads us to this part of the discussion that we had earlier. And I say, no, actually, I'm a, I'm a full time employee, but, you know, I do other things that. Uh, that help the organization and are a part of my job, but uh, you know, also uh, kind of give me you know some some pretty good career assurances and uh, security as well. And so I tell them that you know all that I do is different hats associated, and then and then they kind of understand as a whole as far as what this job is really all about. But I tell them you know what uh, I grew up a Type A personality. I love being around sports, talking for a living. So. Uh, the, the, this really is my passion. This is my job. Then they want to hear me look up at the TV and you know at a restaurant and try to call an inning or something. Describe what's going two on. Minutes yeah. of a period. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you know you, you, you kind of chuckle. You're a little blue in the face, embarrassed, but you know what you do just to kind of have some fun and have some laughs, basically. Uh, you kind of touched on this, but any preconceived misconceptions about sportscasters or working in sports, working for a team that you'd like to dispel once and for all? Well, I think the um, I, I think what the misconception that lies around, and you know, I think certainly is very, very important to the livelihood of our jobs is, well, you know, you're just a radio guy. Well, you, you know, you just go on and you know talk for about uh, you know thirty, forty-five minutes, two and a half hours. Um, you, you know, you, you try you try to never ever take your job too seriously, right. and never ever try to take your career too seriously. But at the end of the day, you know, you're proud of what you do, and what you want to do, at least for me, has to have a sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. And from what I understand, the sense of purpose in this is to not talk about the game for the essence of fulfilling me. It's to talk about a game and connect the team and the picture that's being painted as well with the listener on the other side that gets them involved. Not only that, but you really never ever know the, the uh, kind of tough day that uh, a certain man, woman, uh, 12 year old boy, 16 year old girl has been going through it. And all of a sudden, you know what? I've had enough of this day. I just want to tune in to fill in the blank. Mm-hmm. Well, my responsibility is, is to take the, 
fill-in-the-blank game with the fill-in-the-blank team. Obviously, in this case, the Everett Silvertips, and create for them a magical getaway place that they can relate to and that they can really embrace, soak in, and you know have the sound of the game just kind of wash all over them and make them completely forget about whatever happened that knocked them down a few pegs. On oh yeah, sports is definitely a, uh, in the day. Sports is definitely and, 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 a release. I, 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 it's a uh, it's a way to build community. It's an escape. But uh, you know, like we talked about a little bit earlier, building that community and it's cool to be a part of that. And you're at the level I remember when, you know, I remember following as a Giants fan, following the Fresno Grizzlies and Buster was there and, you know, Madison Bumgarner was there and Brandon Belt was there. And I remember it was about, oh, when are they going to bring Belt up? And then Buster comes up and they win in the World Series his rookie year. And, you know, you're helping those fans make those connections with those players that could be at that level at a point. And it's cool to say, yeah, I was there for when these guys were nobodies, you know. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, I, I think it really has a lot to do with what we uh, do around here as well. Uh, the Everett Silver Tips have uh, promoted 16 players onto the NHL since they opened up shop back in uh, 2003. So, re- really, Brett, for a lot of people, they 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 really don't have number one the time. Uh, there is uh, in a, a very much a growing uh, sense of traffic congestion around the Greater Seattle area. But number two as well, the money to invest in. Uh, the sports scene religiously uh, each and every day in downtown Seattle. Yet there is still uh, a massive amount of community up here that wants to embrace an element of Pacific Northwest sports. Mm-hmm. And so that was that was part of the vision with, you know, putting a 9,000-seat building here in downtown Everett back in 2003, hiring an NHL head coach back then who is now here on his second tour and really kind of providing what is like a mini NHL environment in this building so that's what's so important for me and you know what i'm I'm in my second year uh, with the silver tips right now but you know what five years down the road when i can have conversations here with fans of like man oh man i remember when noah jolson was here uh was so close and now he's you know killing it on the top pairing for montreal uh carter hart with the philadelphia flyers you know, that, that, that really gives me a sense of fulfillment to be a part of uh, the ride here for uh, whatever fan is dialed in each and every night. And, you know, we can all say together, five, six years down the road, we knew them when. And that's uh, what really makes this job fulfilling for me, just like with your experiences with the Grizzlies. Talking about four or five years down the road now, uh, going forward, how do you define success for yourself? I think defining success in this case uh, for, you know, five to ten years down the road, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much locked in here and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of done with the whole bouncing around type of game. And, you know, I've, I've kind of had the agreement with uh, my wife that really the only legitimate reason to move anymore now these days is if an NHL team comes calling mm-hmm. because uh, we're very much well set up here with, uh, with uh, my job, but more, more importantly, our family lifestyle mm-hmm. And that also includes my wife and her career, my uh, son and his surroundings, and a good support system that we've really grown and developed. So my, my, my vision now for five to ten years down the road, Brett, is to see the Everett Silver Tips really take that next step uh, as far as um, a driving force positively uh, in this area uh, for the community to bring new fans in, to uh, really in to, to really stoke and enhance the fire for current fans here and 
uh, help take the organization and its platforms to the next level. So if I can do that, uh, it, it really requires a great deal of strategy, uh, a great deal of planning, but that's the reason why that you make a five to 10 year plan and, you know, lay those steps down each and every day to make that picture become more of a reality. And so that's what I hope for when we're talking again, say in uh, 2021 and beyond. Excellent. Excellent. There's so many kids out there with dreams similar to yours. You know, you hear there's all these people on the radio that you hear. You see people on the sidelines of the games, and I'm sure there's millions of kids out there that want the same thing, but there's only so many jobs, you know, and there's people in your life the whole way telling you you'll never make it, you know, it's so competitive, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what do you think set you apart and has allowed you to have the success you've had? Well, um, and trying not to be too much of a braggart in this one, and I kind of have to really kind of pick my words wisely <laughs> uh, in, in this. Is it such a it's such a, a flattering question here? But uh, I think what's really helped me along the way is to develop a good support system of established professionals in the business and foster relationships, which help you grow to the point where you can make a phone call really any day or send a text message any day. And you know what, whether it might be from trying to ask for career advice or even just to say hello and keep your relationship building, that's what's really important. And to lean on the advice of people who have uh, been here before, have experienced success, are definitely thirsty for more because you can never stop growing. But ultimately, find that support system that keeps pushing you and pushing you and pushing you and keeps your world small to the point of where you're going to have doubters. You're going to have what we call quote unquote haters here, but, but keep them shut out and rely solely on the people who are in your corner and have experienced success and want to help you get to that level that they're currently at. Right. Right. What has been your biggest triumph so far as a sportscaster? If there is one. Oh, man. Oh, that's a, it's a, a, a tough question to answer because this is now my 12th year, obviously, doing this. Obviously, you know, calling uh, the Kelly Cup Championship of the Alaska Aces uh, in 2014 and getting a chance to unfold that on television mm -hmm. was pretty special. Um, you know, you, you obviously appreciate the pats on the back uh, for the work that, that you do. So I have an award hanging right up mm -hmm. here. Uh, right by my L.A. Kings jersey, and that was for uh, an award for sports play-by-play -play, uh, in the Alaska Broadcasters Association. So it was a state-recognized award, and two of the gentlemen who earned that award before I was there uh, are now in the National Hockey League. So that was uh, it, it was certainly nice to be in that kind of fine company and to receive award or to receive an award like that uh, for a lot of hard work that uh, you certainly put in. I, I think also, and I, I can't. Uh, I can't discredit any experiences I had as well with my very first team, the Stockton mm -hmm. Thunder, um, a team that has a lot of friends still in that corner for me, uh, a building that's uh, still looking as pristine as it was back in 2005 that I've put up on my wall here to kind of look at uh, each and every day as far as uh, some motivation and some good feelings. And uh, the first time that they ever went to the Kelly Cup Finals, it was actually my last season there before. I uh, I left. I left uh, for Alaska, but they got to the Cup Finals that year, and it wasn't just uh, the efforts of the team, but it was really how the entire Greater Northern California area 
really rallied behind them and didn't just make it about 25 hockey players uh, trying to put a ring on their finger. It was about a city in Stockton, California, that really had gone through some troubling times uh, late last decade uh, with the housing crash. Crime has been uh, an issue as well, and a lot of people who choose to live in that area because they want to be a part of something that gets bigger and better, not just because they feel resigned to living out there. So a run of the Kelly Cup final that year was all about the region, all about community with a hockey team as well, helping really drive the engine. So to come that close to a championship, that will always remain so incredibly close to me in my life. And then, uh, you know, obviously I think uh, a chance to work here uh, in Everett uh, last season, uh, uh, the, the team itself only made it the second round of postseason play, but it was, it was still the 13th straight season that they made postseason play. They had never missed the playoffs, by the way. And it was a, it was my, my first experience to uh, learn uh, a, a brand new culture, a brand new job environment, but to uh, be around the people that I was, that I have been around so far. That includes the uh, head coach, Kevin Constantine and uh, the assistants, Mitch Love, Brennan Sonny, the players as well. And, even the front office staff here led by Thorin Ratchet, Gary Davidson, uh, they, they really made this place a comfortable place to work and made you feel empowered to do your job and do it as well to the best of your abilities here. So uh, I really can't discredit uh, that experience, that moment. Uh, I think you don't just rely solely on, on the triumphs and the trophies that you may accumulate, but the experiences as Definitely. well. So that's what, that's what life's all about. Really, really, that trophy is just going to really end up on a shelf somewhere in Dusty. You know, those experiences will stay with you forever. Absolutely. That's what it's all about. Uh, we're all about real life here and real experiences, so I can't ask you about your successes without asking you about some disappointments or failures. Um, anything in particular that didn't work out the way you thought it would, and what did you learn from that and still decide to move forward? Well, I think in trying to go through my career and – Try different things and try new things, Fred. I, I think you'll learn that, uh, you know, in some parts of your job, you have the capacity to really succeed. And, you know, other parts where, you know, you figure, you know what you try, you give it a good shot, but uh, it's just not something that you're cut out for. So uh, in, in being general, what, what I can really explain is, uh, you know, don't, don't be afraid to try new things. Uh, don't, don't be afraid to try to grow yourself and expand yourself because, uh, if you if you go through a career and certainly life only hoping that you're going to be experiencing success, uh, you're only fooling yourself. And I think the more that uh, you know, you may experience bumps in the road, even experience failure flat out. It, it's not something that you have to be afraid of. But that moment where you figure, you know what, tried it, didn't work out. On to the next thing. That's all that matters here. And you can understand that. You know, if something doesn't work out, you try something different, and it's going to set you on a path to something that's bigger and better. Keeping that in mind, if you could go back to the beginning of your journey, anything you'd tell yourself? I'd say certainly don't take this job seriously. <laughs> don't take this life as well way too seriously. That was actually a learning lesson that I picked up in my first uh, couple of years in my career. And you know what you learn as part of the hockey culture? Uh, it's a long season. Uh, uh, there are a lot of uh, um, electric and eccentric personalities involved with that. What 
for all interested though is trying to keep the atmosphere fun and keep it uh, a great place to work so what you do is that you try to you know manage the world with uh, light-hearted pranks and you know i didn't take a couple as well uh too lightly i learned quickly just to laugh it off and you know what give it right on back and that's how you help develop relationships develop friends and eventually develop memories as well if this hadn't worked out for you what do you think you'd be doing well, I think it's a great question, Brett. Uh, you know what? If I if I couldn't get into sports casting, uh, my dad absolutely my, my dad actually when I was thirteen encouraged me to, to try to get into sports writing. And uh, it, it, it's similar to play by play, but you know you're telling the story more with uh, well back then uh, you know a, a, a notepad, but but now you're looking at the electronic devices, whether it might be podcasting or you know, blogging as well, podcasting more of the audio side, but uh, we're seeing the evolution of blogging now on the internet mm-hmm. that is uh, delivering delivering the story in a, a new and creative way to people who want to be a part of sports each and every day. Um, you know what, I really thought about uh, even branching at one point uh, into television as mm-hmm. well, and I'm talking about, uh, you know, TV news, whether it might be on the sports side or the hard news mm-hmm. side, uh, you know, I've I had a chance to dabble into a little bit of television production as well, and it's uh, it, it, it's a, a visual medium that really engages my creativity and really engages my craving here to create something off a of canvas. And that and that kind of goes back to broadcasting as well. It's like you're painting a picture. You have a blank canvas once you walk into the booth, and you're adding everything from colors to palettes to tones. Uh, TV is in a different medium where you're telling the picture more with uh, more more with the video, more with edits. That was something that I enjoyed, but uh, for sure, sports casting because it really helped me. I think be able to engage my craving to uh, f- find a relief in talking, uh, and it was all about again talking about the game and being able to unfold it on a white canvas. Uh, so to speak, here for the listener on the other side. Excellent, excellent. Mike, this has been great having you on. This has been a great interview. You've said a lot of good things about life and responsibility and creativity and your journey, and I really appreciate having you on. Uh, Any last words of advice for our listeners? Life, art, creativity, anything? I would say, again, it goes back to the very top of what we were talking about. Find something that doesn't make you get out of bed and groan. I gotta go to work. Definitely. Find something that find something that you're passionate about. You'll be happier at the end of the day. Excellent. Like I mentioned, you can find Mike's remarkably insightful blog at bensonhockey.com when he's talking about being a sports writer. His blog is great. I hadn't seen it until a couple days ago, and I was thoroughly impressed. Um, so I want all of you to go check that out. His tweets can be found at Benton underscore Mike. He's with the Everett Silvertips of Everett, Washington. Uh, this has been the Maslow Pete podcast presented by Spring State Media Group. You can check us out on Twitter or Instagram at the Maslow Peak, also Facebook or themaslowpeak.com. Mike, thanks for having us on, and we'll catch you on the air. Anytime, buddy. Thanks again. Thanks a lot. Our producer is Jesse Edmond, and I want to give a special thanks to friend of the podcast and Pro Tools wizard Joey Hessian. Joey helped us out with some editing, uh, with some audio issues here, so we want to give a special thanks to him. He'll be on the podcast in a couple weeks talking about his career as a musician, guitar teacher, dancer, if you guys didn't know that. 
um, all things creative. Joey's an all-around good guy. I've known him for about 10 years now, and uh, he'll be on a little bit later on. So you guys won't want to miss that. Thanks.